The views expressed are not necessarily those of KSCJ and Powell Broadcasting Company. This program is not intended to replace the advice of doctors or other clinical providers. Consult with your practitioner to ensure the proper course of action for you. Welcome to When Things Aren't Going Well on AM 1360 FM 94.9 KSCJ. This program is dedicated to your mental health wellness and brought to you by Family Services, a United Way partner agency. Here's your host, Art Silva. Good morning, Siouxland, and welcome to When Things Aren't Going Well. This show's all about your mental wellness and how you can navigate the daily highway of life. I'm Art Silva. Along with me today is my co-host, Brenda Geisinger, and we're going to talk about self-harm in youth. Uh, it's a problem out there, what to look for, how do you handle it. So that's our problem today. That's what's going wrong, self-harm in youth. So with that, let me introduce my co-host, Brenda Geisinger. Brenda, would you talk about your role and your experience uh, with children? Absolutely. So I have been with Boys and Girls Home and Family Services for 35 years. (laughs) And I started out in direct care and just enjoy working there. And I have uh, continued my journey and I'm currently the Chief Operating Officer overseeing daily operations. Well, I think you understated it. You run a very large organization, and you do a great job at it. Thank you. Today's topic, self-injury and, and youth. You know, self-injury, and I want to give credit to the Mental Health of America Association for providing these notes for us, but self-injury often begins around the ages of 12 to 14, and it's most commonly the result of feeling of sadness, distress, anxiety, or confusion. Teenagers often use self-injury as a way to cope with these negative emotions. Recent studies have found that one-third to one-half of adolescents in the U.S. have engaged in some type of non-suicidal self-injury, although some, some studies put that rate at 13 to 23%. Self-injury, Brenda, uh, we deal with uh, teenagers. Um, what, what, what experience do you have with this? Unfortunately, quite a bit. Um, I will say self-injury, you know, what does that look like? It's kids cutting on themselves. That's kids burning, excessive scratching, especially in one spot. Um, And, you know, you briefly mentioned that quite often that's perceived as being suicidal. And it really is not. It can lead to that. But it's really about a way of coping and how kids feel. And so they start harming themselves. Um, Like I said, cutting, scratching, biting, you know, their fingernails excessively, causing problems, um, pulling their hair, banging their head. Um, So those are all kind of examples of being self-injurious. Unfortunately, we we, we treat children that have that problems. And um, uh, the goal is to keep the child safe. Um, But it's really a difficult deal. But when you see these symptoms start to pop up, uh, you need to take some action, uh, uh, talk with them and get some professional help. And we'll deal with what you can do and how you can help the situation in the second half of our show. But self-injury, when you look at it, I've seen some of the examples of our children. Uh, what what causes it? What, what, what stresses them to that point? I think it be, can be a lot of triggers, but really underlying is really individual for each kid. But they're all struggling with self-worth. Um, and feeling worthless, and just having a lot of emotional pain. Unfortunately, when you, you know, do the repetitive self-injury, it releases an endorphin in your body, and it almost becomes addictive. It's like if I'm stressed, or I feel triggered, or I'm really struggling, 
you resort to that kind of like if you're a smoker, you know, you feel stressed and you just start with one cigarette and you just keep smoking and smoking or eating, you know, excessive eating. Similar to a self-injurious behavior is you develop a habit as a way of coping and releasing that pain so you feel something and kind of distract yourself. Well, that is certainly a problem we have and children that do that as they try to work their way through their issues. Um, well, we have experience with that at Boys and Girls Home, and uh, they're getting excellent care. And Brenda, I thank you for that. I've seen some instances over there of some of our girls, especially the girl that pulled their toenails out, uh, and that was self harm. Uh, there's things that you just can't believe, and you wonder how they endure the pain. Uh, exactly. The, but the pain turns into you said. You know, it's really a way of coping for them, and for our job is to really address that emotional pain and find other ways of coping and really talking with them and finding different solutions and letting them know that they are in a safe place and that we're going to look out for them and we're part of that team and we're going to help them through this without resorting to hurting themselves. I'm Matt Silver along with Brenda Geisinger from Boys and Girls Home and we're discussing self-injury and youth this morning. Let's move on to another topic, social media and self-injury. Uh, social media can both help and hurt when it comes to self-injury behaviors. Many adolescents will turn to social media sites, such as Instagram and Twitter, to find a source of support and to connect with others that are experiencing the same things as they are. However, posts on social media can also encourage self-destructive behavior. Research has shown that viewing content about self-harm, especially on social media, can be a trigger for behavior. Boy, that's a big topic when we look it at is. social media. <laughs> uh, you want to give a first shot at it, Brenda, and the impact it has? You know, like the article mentioned, social media, it, it can be a great thing and offer support, but it can also be very dangerous. And I think it can push those triggers. It can challenge kids to try things like drinking a harmful liquid, bleach or a detergent, um, you know, cutting, try this. Um, and so it's really an escape mechanism for a lot of our kids and teenagers to find that support. But unfortunately, like I mentioned, it can also encourage kids to try new things or one up the next one or this one did it. So that's really cool. Maybe I should try it. Um, and it can be a vicious cycle. Well, you know, we've seen some crazy things. Um, we read about it in the news. Uh, I can never understand this subway surfing. Uh, that goes on in New York City, where they jump on top of a train and jump oh, on the train. Yeah. And the idea came from TikTok. Yes. So, I mean, these are some of the things out there, parents, that uh, you got to keep an eye on. Uh, they're not good ideas. And that was one example that I saw in the news. And, people, and young people have died from the accident. So, you know, this social media, it can be good. If it leads you to outcomes that are good, if it leads you to help other people, if it helps you uh, have a good time but not at somebody else's expense, uh, you've got to look at social media and your kids. And don't just accept um, what you're hearing. If you start to see problems, you've got to look into a little deeper. Uh, social media has such a tremendous impact on our youth. Um, I, I find them more ahead of the game uh, in problems and what's going on in the world than I am because they're right tuned in. I think the key thing with parents, too, is having that conversation. What are you seeing? What's the latest on TikTok or Instagram? Or just always being in tune with what your kid is watching or looking at. And then also set an example. You know, how often do we as parents sit on our phones? And what are we doing? 
And so setting boundaries around cell phone use and tablets and social media, what are the limits, what sites are okay and what sites are not, and having those conversations. You know, if you do see something on the news, talk about it with your kid. What do they think about it? And having those conversations because social media is just an extension of their social network. And being in tune with that and connecting, it's very, very important because teenagers, you know, quite honestly, don't like to talk, especially to us parents. (laughs) Especially to the parents, right. You know, when you look at, um, I look at the social media and I I think one parent told me they deal with this by uh, modeling. And you mentioned that. They model how to use the phone, what sites to go to, and they define with their child by a functional basis, these are the these are the areas you can go to. Now, what you pick in that area, I want to take a look at. But you model it. You work with your kid. And you don't want it to be a fight. You have to try to understand why they want to go there. It could be peer pressure because everybody in school is going to yep. that site. And, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 this is a huge deal. And it needs to be, I guess for lack of another phrase, managed by the parents. Absolutely. It's that oversight. And, you know, part of our job as a parent is... To help our kids start navigating life journey. And teenagers want to be independent. They don't want us nasty parents around. Don't tell me what to do. And so it's really about helping them learn how to make good decisions. And part of that is now social media. What are the good decisions and having that dialogue? Well, we're coming up on our break right now. So uh, continue your morning chill. We'll be right back with more of When Things Aren't Going Well right here on 1360 AM, 94.9 FM, KSCJ. Let's face it, that happens to all of us. However, the pandemic has compounded all of our lives and activities. Even the simplest tasks seem harder. Hi, I'm Brenda Geisinger, the Chief Operating Officer at the Boys and Girls Home and Family Services. Family Services is a United Way partner agency serving children and families of our community, and we're here to help. If you'd like to learn more about Family Services, please contact us via email, website, Facebook, or phone Mary Pickens. At Family Services, we change lives. Welcome back to When Things Aren't Going Well on KSCJ. Here's Art Silva. Welcome back to When Things Aren't Going Well. I'm Art Silva along with Brenda Geisinger. And we're talking today about self-injury and youth. And let's continue our conversation and talk about shaming and self-injury. And let me help frame this topic. Body shaming, fat shaming, and slut shaming can place teenagers at a higher risk of self-injury. Feelings of shame can cause teenagers to feel heightened levels of distress and anxiety. And teens may resort to cutting and other forms of self-injury in order to cope. Uh, they still have these negative feelings in them. And this is the way that they're, they're showing it. Uh, Brenda, body shaming is something relatively new. We're hearing more about it in the public, uh, in the ads on TV. So give me your position on body shaming. I think for a while, way back, Um, body shaming was there, but we didn't really call it out. And, you know, everybody went on social media and you wanted the likes and you posted a lot of selfies. But if you weren't getting those or people were commenting that you didn't look good or, you know, you're ugly or whatever the case may be on those negative comments, you started feeling like what people are saying is true. And you feel bad and you feel like I'm different. I am those things. And you just get this level of worthlessness, um, feeling empty. And then what do you do with that? 
and how do you belong? And eventually you start feeling like I can't belong. I am worthless. And so you start resorting to cutting yourself potentially as a way to cope. Um, and like you mentioned way earlier, um, girls have a tendency to do this. It's not just girls, but that is a common denominator is that girls do this. And it, again, it's that worthlessness. My body is ugly. Or if I have fat thighs, maybe I'll cut on those and they're just so ugly and disgusting. Um, and it's really trying to get the child or the teenagers to feel like body shaming is bad and you, you have a beautiful body no matter what it looks like and embrace that. You know, there's a lot of beauty in every individual. Absolutely. And who, and who determines what's right and wrong? Uh, your, your personal, how you look, how you feel in your body is the important thing. And um, it's just terrible. You're seeing more and more um, ads come out now yes. uh, showing different figures and, and talking about this. And hopefully that's part of the trend that we, we look at this issue and try to accept the person, accept the individual for what they are. It's that simple. So um, body shaming can lead to self-injury. Okay, we've talked about some problems. Now let's talk about some solutions. How can I help myself? <clears throat> let's say that I'm going through a, a self-injury uh period of time and give me some things I can do. How can I help myself? I think first is just acknowledging this is not healthy for me or acknowledging I want to stop. And it's not like just stop doing that, right? You really need to talk about it. What is the underlying pain or emotion you're struggling with? And reach out to a friend, you know, an adult, a parent, anybody of I am really struggling with coping and again, it's not necessarily that you're suicidal. You're just really struggling. And is it about your self-esteem? Is it about body shaming? What What's triggering this? Well, parents, this is for you. Uh, we're going to talk about what you can do to help. Um, in Brenda State, know that you're not alone. Uh, self-injury is relatively common, unfortunately. And it's likely that people around the individual understand it can help. Uh, try talking to a professional person uh, that you're comfortable with, and it can be a school psychiatrist, school nurse, or guidance counselor. Uh, that's the first step. Um, you know, plus you need to know that you can get better. Uh, difficult time in your life. However, with help, you can get to the point where you don't hurt yourself anymore. Uh, Brenda, let's talk about going back to cutting a self-injury as an activity. I think sometimes, you know, it's a challenge. I do this, you know, you say to a friend, look what I do. And then they try to start doing it or social media prompts you, you know, and if you're a parent, you may not even know this is happening. It's not always obvious because it might be on their legs or their, your child is always wearing long sleeve shirts. And so it's getting covered up. Um, so again, it's having those conversations, but a simple activity can really become the normal for how a child behaves. You know, cutting a, a self-injury is, is sometimes a behavior that they do it with friends. They do it together. Um, and, and I think they just get, you need to be aware of it and get them to the right sources. You know, you got to figure out the stresses uh, that drives you to self-injure. Um, avoid stresses if they are going to make you cut. Think about other things you could do to manage stress without turning to self-injury. Brenda, let's talk about seeking professional help. I think... You know, the, the first point is if you have a concern or don't know how to address it or you know that the problem is there, 
you know, reach out to a therapist, read out, reach out to your pediatrician and start getting access to resources that are out there. At Family Services, they also address this issue of cutting and go to a family, you know, therapist or an outpatient therapist. Like I said, at Family Services, we address this issue. There are plenty other therapists in town. Um, so it's making those calls, making those connections. If you're uncomfortable talking about it, and even if you are comfortable, quite often you need some professional help to guide you through this. You know, seek professional help. Um, and we had a show on before that. It's okay. And what's that first visit to a therapist like? Um, and that first step is the most important step. Now, it could take some time to see a doctor or other treatment provider. But in the meantime, take steps to reduce your harm that you are doing to yourself. This could be hurting yourself fewer times than you normally would. Make sure you don't get infections or finding alternatives that are less harmful, like holding an ice cube or snapping yourself with a rubber band. I mean, all these things go through, and they're just filling a void, an empty void that's in the child's life. Uh, there's some distress there. Uh, we got to find it and work with them to get over this. What about a friend? who suffers self-injuries. Now, here we are looking at another person. Um, How would you start that conversation, Brenda? You know, it's an uncomfortable conversation. You don't want to accuse them of anything. So you really have to approach it as, I'm concerned and I want you to be safe and I really value you as a friend. And is there anything we should talk about or I think you might be hurting yourself and I'm not putting judgment on that. I'm here to support you. Do you want to talk? Um, And just letting that conversation happen. And the key is listening, not putting your input so they don't feel judged, but just listening to what they have to say. And then, you know, just say, I think maybe we should go talk to someone and go from there. You know, you got to realize that just because you said go do it, they're not going to. Right. Uh, So you got to understand. So offer some options. Uh, Don't tell anyone what they should do or have to do if a person is using self injury as a way to have some control, it won't help if you try to take control of the situation. Helping your friends see ways to get help, like talking to a mental health professional, parent, teacher, or school counselor, may be the best thing you can do for them. Absolutely. Again, having that conversation and not trying to control what they do, or why do you do that, or stop doing that. You can just stop. And they can't because it's their way of coping. And so they have to learn new ways and not feel judged that they do do this. Well, you know, you have to remember that you are not responsible for ending the self-abuse. You can make your friends stop hurting themselves or get help from a professional, but the only sure thing you can do is to keep being a good friend. Right, absolutely, offering that support no matter what. So let's give some parents some tips, tips for the parents. Let's do some things that they should do. Brenda, you want to start us off? I think one thing is, being okay with having this conversation. Again, like I said, it is not a comfortable conversation, but as a parent, you need to look out for your kid and having that conversation of, I care about you and I'm worried about your safety. And then there are some other steps, you know, are there items in the house that you can make sure are not readily available? Um, And kids, if they are into self-harm, may find things, paper clips, you know, ballpoint caps, anything and everything, their own fingernails. But that doesn't mean you can't try to make your home safe. The other thing, like we talked about, are what are the boundaries and rules about social media, being a role model, 
but also having conversations about what they're seeing. And then also reaching out for professional help, you know, helping your daughter or son get an appointment, talking to someone and getting information about the situation. Well, to sum that up, you're kind of talking about be patient. Uh, the parents should learn about uh, self-injury. They should go and get familiar with the topic before they talk to the child. Um, and you got to address this issue as soon as possible. When you start to see the things like Renda mentioned, wearing the long sleeves to cover up stuff or where they are, uh, you got to get there. You got to get there right on the bat. And, you know, you got to validate the kid's feelings. You can't devalue it. Um, they're telling you something, and you have to validate the child's feelings. Remember that this is a different from validating the behavior. Um, ben, you want to talk about that? Yeah, when you're talking about validation, it's not, you know, saying it's okay that you're doing this. What you're validating is that they have a true emotion, and you want to talk about the emotion and why they feel isolated or why they feel so lonely or whatever the case may be. That's what is the underlying problem or what we need to address. The behavior is the result of the emotions. You know, this has been a great conversation uh, dealing with um, self-harm for an injury uh, with youth. Um, You need parents out there to keep an eye out for it. I know school officials do. Um, So please, uh, it happens. It's very common. And it's right in that 13 to, I want to say, 16 age bracket. And girls are much more likely to self-harm than boys. So if you're staying involved in your parent and your kid's life, you'll, you'll see something changes. And just keep an eye on it because uh, they're going to need your help. Uh, we're coming up on the end of our show this week. And, Brenda, I want to thank you very much for uh, uh, sharing your knowledge with us yeah. and experience at Boys and Girls Home. Uh, I want to thank our listening audience. Uh, again, uh, Take your child seriously. It is likely that your child is cutting in order to relieve feelings of stress and not because they are seeking attention. So that's our story for this week. That's the problem, and we hope some solutions. Your homework this week is to go out and be kind to your mind. We'll see you next Saturday morning right here on 1360 AM, 90.9 FM, KSCJ. Happy praise. For more information on the services provided by Boys and Girls Home and Family Services, see them online at boysandgirlshomeiowa.org. Or you can call 712-293-4700 to get more information about family services, residential treatment, the Opportunity School, the Siouxland Family Center, and more. At Boys and Girls Home and Family Services, we change lives.